Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. During emergencies, government, of course, has the power to infringe on people's liberties for the common good. But to what extent? Uh, Over the course of the pandemic, we saw this emergency power used often and in incredibly restricting ways and very targeted ways. Uh, So how can we make sure that our leaders are acting in line with the Constitution? Shoshana Weissman from R Street Institute joins us to discuss how to strike that right balance. And this is such a critical piece of the puzzle. And uh, we are thrilled to have back on the show. Uh, Shoshana, you now have an official title uh, on this program. Uh, Ty, our board operator, uh, has dubbed you Shoshana, nicest human ever. Weissman, welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. That made my day. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so uh, we've been we've been actually talking about this all day today in terms of, you know, what is the right level and then how do we guard against abuse? So we talked about the FISA courts and some of the things that came up in 2019 uh, where many things that we had been warned about uh, actually happened, that people used it for political purposes. And uh, there's a host of others out there. I know this is something you've weighed in on significantly in the last little bit. How do we get to this right check and balance things, especially when it relates to emergency powers? For sure. So um, in emergencies, you know, the part of what, what our paper, I, I have a paper with the uh, the Federalist Society's Regulatory Transparency Project. And a big part of what we focus on is like the, the unique part of emergencies for governance is the need to do something now. Like you, it can't wait to go through the legislature. There's an emergency and it, it needs to happen now. And even executive orders, I agreed with waiving certain licensing requirements, really good stuff. You know, it went on for months and the legislature had no say in it. So it's like, wait a sec, emergency, I get, you know, needing to do it now. But what about two weeks after, three weeks, four weeks? We have to have some legislative input. So our paper talks about like, hey, we realize the need, but it it can't be just anything. It can't be totally untied to an actual emergency, something that's happening right now that there's no time for the legislature to get involved with. So basically, time is a piece of it. What what uh, government's able to do is a piece of it. You know, a lot of people know that on the federal level, it's abused so much. I think I might be off, but I think we have something like like uh, in the dozens of national emergencies that there's like special <laughs> power for. It's like you couldn't name them. Nobody, the president couldn't name them. None of his staff could name all the national emergencies. Maybe a scholar who studies it. But if you can't name all the national emergencies, they're probably not emergencies. And the same thing goes on the state level. Like, hey, if it's now and if, if it just happened and we have to respond immediately, sure. But if it's like an existential crisis that's kind of far off, that's not an emergency. So that's a big piece of it. Yeah, and I think it's so vital, too, as we look at those, again, uh, using the 
the pandemic as an example. Of course, there were uh, all kinds of emergency orders and declarations at both the federal and the state level. Uh, many of those, uh, you know, prioritized, you know, pumping gas or being part of a singing competition over, you know, going to your house of worship, your mosque, your synagogue, uh, and uh, and then how long those last. And so is is the key to all of this, is it is it one uh, making sure it actually is an emergency. I think that should probably be priority one. And then that time element in terms of speed. But then shouldn't those also have some sort of automatic sunset clause in them to say, you know, this <laughs> this catastrophe cannot uh, extend for the next you know 27 years? Yeah, sunset clauses are a really good idea here. But I hate to say it with even with sunset clauses, you know, uh, sometimes the legislatures uh, go to extend it. And I don't have an issue as, as long as the legislature is doing its job. Yeah. But if it's just saying, oh, do whatever the governor wants, that's not great. Or if Congress is like, oh, yeah, just do whatever the president wants. You don't want that deference, too. So that's something to consider as well. But some you know, it's a good principle. But I think um, that, you know, they should really be expiring and not something you can extend unless the legislature actually has input and is like, yeah, we agree with all of this or we're changing this or whatever it is. Um, even Governor Cox during the, uh, you know, over the course of the past year and a half, I know that the legislature um, uh, overruled some of what he was uh, doing. And even if I agreed with what he was doing or not, it's good. The legislature is doing its job. That's what we want. But in so many cases, it's like, well, we don't want to do stuff. So the, the executive can. He can take the heat. Yeah. That's not a great uh, legislative <laughs> strategy. Yeah, not not a, not a good uh, working model for the republic. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so often in those, I mean, we always say, you know, the closest thing to eternity is a, you know, as a declaration or a government program begun, because often people don't want to go through that legislative process and power it down. Or you also have, especially in some of these crisis situations that may be less popular with the public, uh, sometimes you get a uh, a governor or a president uh, that doesn't want to act or go, and sometimes you have a Congress or a, a state house that doesn't want to to be the the bad guy and the bad girl, so to speak, uh, and all that. So there's a lot of shoulder shrugging on that. I know part of your paper uh, presents some real policy options that I think really get to the core of I think what this really has to be about, which is accountability, preserving those constitutional norms, and and really getting to that reasonable decision-making. What uh, what have you discovered there? What should we be thinking about? Exactly. A, a big part of it is we have to make them tighter because some states have very tight clauses that there's pretty much room for improvement in all emergency management statutes, and every state has some form of them, but, uh, but some states are better than others. Um, and when you have it arbitrary. You have stuff like where uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, the governor, um, allowed WWE to perform under cer- certain circumstances, but uh, theaters could not perform under the, cer- under the same uh, circumstances without an audience. And that wasn't quite fair. So you want it to be tight. You want it to be, you know, you want to make sure that uh, businesses are treated equally, that it doesn't go on forever, that there's mandatory legislative input after at least a very you know, after a reasonable amount of time, not after seven months, that's no longer an emergency the legislature didn't have time to respond to. It's really about tightening the statute, saying that, you know, climate change isn't an emergency. Like, it can be an emergency in that, like, hey, we have to get this done and we have to, like, make sure stuff doesn't melt and that the climate's not bad. But it's not something that it's going to happen within the next two weeks, like in the South Park episodes when they make fun <laughs> of that kind of stuff. It can be it can be something we want to get, you know, take care of, even racism. There have been emergency management uh, statutes invoked for that. 
But, you know, it's bad, but it's not something that's new or that the legislature doesn't have time to respond to. So really tightening the definition of emergencies, tightening what they're able to do, still making sure they have room that, like, if there's a pandemic, they can take care, you know, they can take action, but that that action can't go on forever and that they can't take action whenever they feel like it on anything. Uh, so important. And uh, again, as we continue to move forward and as, as we continue to have a lot of finger pointing and placing blame on, on all kinds of things, again, federal and at the state and local level, uh, it's so important that uh, whatever it is in, in an emergency, if as long as we can define it really is an emergency, uh, that we have some transparency and some accountability, uh, then we can actually have confidence that we can continue to move on without uh, government either targeting us or over-controlling or just using power because they can uh, or because it's an easier way to do it than actually following that legislative process. Uh, Shoshana Weissman, always appreciate your input and uh, congratulations on the new title. Ty will be sending you a hat and a plaque that declares you the nicest human on earth. And, uh... <laughs> you are so kind. Thank you so much. I love, I, I adore you and I adore Utah. So you have a lot high up in my book. Uh, Shoshana Weissman is awesome. She is from the R street Institute and uh, they regularly help us break down the critical things of the day to figure out not just what they mean from a big, broad political or uh, governmental uh, issue level, but what it means to each of us uh, and how it impacts our lives and how it impacts our community. All right, we're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. Coming up, we'll talk about all things Hanukkah, the important meaning behind this religious holiday with uh, one of our favorite rabbis, Remy Zippel. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.